I have a couple of announcements to make. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff going on in our world, things up and down and all over the place. Even just today, they've talked about the fact that they're closing the state's borders here in South Australia on Tuesday. So um, you won't be able to travel between states um, for a period of time. Uh, and if you do, if people come from interstate, they have to go into quarantine for 14 days. And I think in Melbourne and Victoria, they're closing the schools. In Sydney, they're talking about lockdowns and stuff. So it's a very strange times. And um, we as a church leadership have like been discussing it and talking about it. We had a meeting this afternoon just to go over everything. And um, we, we came to the very difficult decision. It wasn't an easy decision. Um, there's a lot of discussion about it. But we really felt at this time that uh, we are, we're going to close all our church services and all our church programs. Uh, not permanently, obviously, but for the time being until um, things sort themselves out and we get back to where we should be. But uh, we thought it's the most responsible thing to do. So Sunday services won't be happening from now on. Um, youth and kids club and grow groups, uh, Discover on Wednesday nights, none of those programs will be happening. We're just encouraging people to look after themselves, keep safe. Um, we will uh, be giving you some ways of keeping connected. We don't want to be disconnected, so there'll be some stuff that we're doing both online and just practically, like phone calls and connecting with one another and, and talking to one another. So we don't want you to feel like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Church will still happen. We all know that the church is not a service, isn't that right? The church is the body of Christ. And so we will be doing everything in our ability and power and encouraging you guys as well to keep connecting with community. Keep ringing each other, keep talking to each other, keep texting and keep doing all those things to keep connected because God didn't make us for isolation. We have to do it practically for our own safety, but we're believing that even through this that maybe God's going to draw us even closer together, that we'll be spending more time talking to one another rather than just Sundays or at church programs, but we'll be connecting in a greater way. Wouldn't that be exciting? That could be a really exciting outcome of this. That's right, Joel, we're excited about that. Um, we'll continue to monitor how things are going and we'll let you know what will happen um, when we'll start to bring services back and that sort of thing. Um, if we don't have your details, uh, if you're new to the church or you haven't felt to pass on your details yet, it would be great if you could pass on uh, a mobile number or a way of contacting you so we can keep you informed of what's going on. We'll be texting regularly and get sending out messages and emails and Facebook messages and all of that sort of stuff. So if we haven't handed that in yet, please come and see myself or um, Damien uh, and just pass on your details so that we can put it on our database and it won't be used for anything else but church matters so um, we'd love to be able to stay connected um, through all of that stuff does that sound good it's a tough tough um, thing for us to do but we thought it was the safest and the most responsible thing to do in this time um, I will say that we're not giving up on our community um, pop-up kitchen as a dinner will not be happening but we will still be making food available every Wednesday for those who are struggling in our community. So every Wednesday we're going to be putting together hampers here at the church. 
um, that can be that people from the community can come and get and uh, and help them out because they're doing it tough as well. So that that will still keep happening. So if you want to know more about that, one of the things we're looking at, because even our suppliers for Pop Up Kitchen are struggling because everything's getting sold out, um, and so we are looking at the possibility of creating a donation list, so you guys can actually give to the community as well. So if um, we just stay tuned for that. We'll send it out in a text what sort of stuff we need and you can come and drop it off here at the church and uh, we'll um, make sure it's distributed to those in need. Doesn't that sound good? We can still work to bless our community and, and show them that they're important and that they're valued and they're not forgotten because many of the people that would show up to pop up could get lost in this whole situation um, because they live very isolated lives. So we're making sure that... Um, Everyone stays connected. Um, Benito also, with youth, is making sure that there's plans in place to keep the youth connected. Uh, and you know how tech-savvy they all are these days. Isn't that right, Jordan? Very socially connected through the internet thing and, uh, and the interwebs and that stuff. Um, so they'll work out a way that you guys can stay connected as well. So stay tuned. Benito will let you know that stuff. Does that sound good? Not too sad. We'll get through this. We'll get through it. We're, God will get us through this and we will get, it will pass. There will, it will pass. And uh, you look in China, they're already seeing the other side of it. So we're going to see the other side of it as well. Um, now, obviously we're not going to, or we are going to take up an offering tonight, but we're not going to pass buckets along the aisles. There is a donation box at the back of the hall. Um, on the table there. Uh, if you've got your offering, feel free to pop it in there anytime. You don't have to do it now, but by the end of the service, uh, head out the back at the end of the service and pop your offering in the, to the offering box. And there's also there next to it, because um, we're not going to be meeting uh, regularly, there's um, details of our bank account details. So if you want to electronically um, transfer your money, into our bank account, your normal tithes and offerings, you can use those details to do that. Um, so grab a card and uh, make sure you, you keep up with um, your giving. I think that's all my announcements. Did I cover everything, Damien? Yeah, he's checking, checking. <laughs> for bank details, for... So you can electronically transfer it, or if you wanted to go into your bank, you could show them those details and they'll transfer it over to that account. Yep. So it's all there if you need to. I, I think apparently if we do go into lockdown, the, one th the things that will stay open are the essentials like hospitals, um, shopping uh, supermarkets, chemists, and banks. So those places will stay open. But And McDonald's. That's an essential. <laughs> Hungry Jacks. Oh, I, I will be praying for you if Hungry Jacks stays open. <laughs> nah, it's good. We, it's good we can keep a sense of humour in these sorts of times. Amen. That uh, you know we've got a bigger hope than uh, than other people can understand. And with that, I'm going to hand over to Mao because Mao's going to come and bring a word. He brought it this morning, and it was a fantastic word. A good word in season, so put your hands together for Mao as he comes.
Good afternoon, everybody. Let's get the technology happening. Just before we start, I read a good news story during the week about a lady who goes to the supermarkets each morning and buys a few things, and then she comes out the front and she waits, and when she sees elderly people coming out, she asks them if they got what they went in for. And if they didn't, if she's got it, she gives it to them. Isn't that a fantastic way of looking after the community? It's absolutely fantastic. And it sets an example to us too. Anyway, down to business. Has anybody ever been faced with what would normally be described as insurmountable circumstances? Anybody identify with that? Has anyone ever struggled with something that seems overwhelming with no viable solution in sight? You know, a situation where you've got two choices and you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Anyone identify with that? That's pretty tough. How do you cope with having to do something that you don't want to do, but it is something you have to do? Even this morning, we were faced, or early this afternoon, we were faced with a, a decision in this church that we didn't want to have to do, but we do have to do it. And we have to guard each, each, each individual in the community and our church, guard their safety. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for trying circumstances that you've put us through and what you can teach us through those things. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that it is strong and that you've given us lots of examples that we can live by. And Lord, this, this afternoon as we look at one such example, I just pray, Lord, that you'll share with us things that you need us to know in Jesus' name. Now, this morning I made a big mistake. I put the wrong scripture up. So those that were here this morning, I trust you, you forgive me. The, the, uh, the book of Hebrews, am I booming a bit? I think the volume's a bit high. Um, the book of Hebrews tells us uh, a story of faith. It's called the faith chapter. And it gives us the account of a number of Old Testament um, characters and how through faith they were able to achieve mighty things through God. And in Hebrews 11.32, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Je uh, Jephthah, that'll do, uh, about David and Samuel and the prophets. Who remembers the story of Gideon? Who remembers maybe in your childhood story Bible, you remember a guy with an army? Gideon was a guy with an army, but he was so much more than that. Not only is um, Gideon listed among the faithful in Hebrews, he is specifically listed among the group of folk that includes King David. The writer of the Hebrews saw Gideon in the same light as he saw King David. Gideon's story starts in Judges chapter 6. At that time, the land had been horribly oppressed, tormented, um, it had basically been in a forced lockdown, not, quite a, not, not like we are, probably be worse. But the Midianites had been tormenting Israel for seven years and it was so bad that the people spent their time hiding in caves. And in Gideon's introduction, 
the angel of the Lord finds Gideon working in a wine press so he could do his job and he could remain hidden. When the angel speaks to Gideon, he calls him a mighty man of valour. In Judges 6.12 we see, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. Now Gideon struggled with that. Gideon didn't like that very much. Gideon didn't see himself as a mighty man of valour. He, he had a very low opinion of himself. He was a young man. He was frightened. He was not in a position to be able to accept that kind of praise. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Gideon didn't really think of himself as a mighty man of valour, but God did. Gideon struggled with that. But the Lord is not held back by who we see ourselves. The Lord was not held back by how Gideon saw himself. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. That's how God saw Gideon. He saw him as being somebody who could confound the mighty. The first thing Gideon is instructed to do is more than most of us would ever even possibly consider. Not even in our remotest, wildest dreams. In fact, we might even be offended if a Christian came into our city and did what Gideon did. Gideon was asked to go and tear down specific altars to false gods, the Baals. Gideon was asked to go and knock that over. Those altars sat in the middle of the city, his city, the city where he lived. Can you imagine, just dare to dream just for a minute. Can you imagine if God asked you to go and demolish Adelaide Oval? What would happen? What would happen if God asked you to go and knock over Parliament House? Or the Festival Centre? Or Central Market? Or what if God asked you to go and remove some other significant monument? What would happen? Now, I'm not at all suggesting that God's telling us to do that, so please don't go and knock it over. Please don't go and blow up Adelaide Oval. (laughs) Imagine what Channel 7 would do. I'm not suggesting that at all. But if he did ask you to do that, would you be afraid? I know I would. Just just a little bit. I suspect we would be afraid, considering how often are we scared to just open our mouths and share the gospel? How often is it hard for us to utter the name of Jesus in public? And that's not even close to physically destroying something. But Gideon did it. Now, he did it at night. Let's not be too hard on the poor guy. He did it at night, but he still did it. And in the morning, what do you think the reaction was? The townspeople were not happy and they wanted Gideon's blood. They wanted him 
executed. But they were talked out of that. They were talked out of killing Gideon, but that's another sermon. We won't go on that tonight. But then Gideon is asked to take out the biggest and baddest enemy of the people. And there were many of them. They were the Midianites. There were many of them. And they had oppressed Israel for seven years. But Gideon is so nervous about this, as you would be, and he asked for a sign. Now, we don't have time today to look into the signs, um, but Gideon asked for a sign, and that's another sermon. But when he got his sign, he asked for another sign for confirmation. Now, that doesn't sound too faithful, but let not be too hard on the guy. He's just been asked to do something that's pretty much impossible. Do we sometimes do the same when God asks us to do something? We want a sign and then another one and then maybe another one. Now here's the part that should blow our minds. Gideon had an army of 32,300 men and that's pretty good. But let's put a bit of perspective around that. The current Australian Defence Force has about 86,000 active and reserve personnel. So Gideon's army was pretty significant in those days. It was equal to about a third of the current ADF. Gideon lived about 3,000 years ago. So even back then, he had a very significant army, even by today's standards. That was still a fairly formidable force. But God said, and the Lord said to Gideon, the men who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the army, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 men returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, The men are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them there for you. Then it will be that of whom I shall say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the army down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other men go, every man to his place. So they took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Imagine that. Gideon had 32,300 men. And then it was down to 300. Now I got it wrong this morning, I said that's 10%, but it's not... It's 1%. It's less than 1%. Can you imagine if the chief of the ADF, General Angus Campbell, how would he react if 99% of the Australian Defence Force 
walked off the job today. How would he react to that? How would Australia look on the world stage if that happened? How would we as citizens feel about our safety and security if suddenly we don't have 86,000 Defence Force personnel and we only had 860? Because that's what we'd end up with. How did Gideon stand there and watch the first wave of 22,000 men walk away? How was he able to remain faithful? And then it wasn't enough. God still sent another 10,000 home. I can't imagine, just even for a minute, what Gideon must have been thinking. I can't even imagine what the soldiers that were left were thinking. How would have Gideon maintained morale? He's got a huge army, even by today's standards, and it's whittled away down to less than 1%. What about the Israelites? How would have they felt? How confident would have they been in only 1% of their defence force, considering they'd previously been under oppression for seven years when their army was 100 times as big? Their confidence would have been shattered. What a situation to be in. How would we cope? We can learn a lot. Actually, Julie reminded us this morning after the service that those 300 men didn't have to do much. They stood on the hill and watched the Midianites turn on themselves. That's how God won that battle. What can we learn from Gideon's faithfulness? Now, most of us will never ever, in fact, all of us will never command an army of 32,300. Not even an army of 300. But we are asked to take on the darkness in our city. We're charged with the fight over oppression in our souls and in the souls of our peers. Do we say, I'll do it, God, when I have enough resources? Or do we say, yes, God, I'm with you, Lord. How do we react when we're called to do something like that? I don't know about everybody else, but sometimes I struggle with the area of faithfulness. And whether we realise it or not, sometimes we might say to God, I'll read my Bible when I have more time. I'll serve when I'm not so busy. I'll give an offering when I have more money. I'll share the gospel when I know more. I'll pray with people when I learn to be less shy. I'll let, pe- uh, I'll let people know I follow Jesus when I know I won't offend them. I'll be faithful when it'll cost me nothing. How often do we inadvertently sometimes even think like that? If we're to take a lesson from Gideon, we should see that it's far better to trust the Lord than wait for our conditions to be right. In fact, if God so wanted to do so, he could do to us, any of us, exactly what he did to Gideon. And that's reduce and strip away some of our resources so that he can make conditions right as far as he sees right, according to him. Look how that turned out for Gideon. Gideon could have gone in there with a big army. What would have happened? He probably would have got done beaten again. But in Judges 6.14, the Lord said to Gideon, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? We need to get our heads and our hearts around the fact that we serve God on his terms, not on our terms. God is God and we are not. God calls the shots. 
God sets the terms and conditions, not us. Anyone ever had a bit of a problem trying to get a straight answer out of kids? You ask a kid something. Well, my grandkids do this. My kids did it too when they were young. Did you do this? Or are you going to do this? Uh, well, um, uh, um, no. Yes or no. Not excuses. How often do we do that with God? When he asks us something, uh, well, Lord, it's like this. No. Yes or no, you're either with me or you're not. That's simple. And that's what God is asking us. Are we for him or are we not? Are we going to obey him? Even more important, God's saying, do you trust me? Yes or no? Good. I'd like to encourage you to read Judges chapter 6 through to 8. I'd also like to challenge you to talk to each other about the gospel. Talk with others about Jesus. Gideon was scared, but the Lord was with him. If you're scared, remember God is with you too. If in Christ, each and every one of us can be a mighty man or woman of valour in God's sight. Gideon was the least in his family. He was a shy, frightened young man with no confidence. But God saw him as what? As a mighty man of valour. Earlier this year, Pastor Ben received a vision from God about Isaiah 54, strengthening our tent pegs and enlarging our tent. That's not just corporately as a church. That's for each of us as individuals as well. Gideon's faith took some serious testing, but he prevailed and he achieved the impossible. He did something that we wouldn't even dream of doing. He didn't even dream of doing. For us to strengthen our tent pegs and enlarge our tent, we need faith strong enough to do what God wants us to do. Just like Gideon's faith was strong enough to do what God wants us wanted him to do. Remember, God asked Gideon, he said, have I not sent you? Is there any reason why God wouldn't ask the same question of anybody? Have I not sent you? God has sent us and there's lots of stuff that he wants us to do. If God is speaking to you, you need to respond to him. Could we have the band back up, please? If you're not sure, there are a number of people here that we're willing to pray with you, to chat with you, to talk with you, so you can be sure that you're hearing the voice of God in your life. God is very well aware, aware of any fears that we may have. He is very well aware of any trials or oppression you may be feeling. But he wants to do business with you. Today, he wants to do business. In January 2004, my father passed away. And about six months before he died, he actually said to me something he'd never said before. He said, I'm proud of you. And he said that he wished he could have achieved even half the things that I achieved in my life. I'd waited 55 years to hear my father tell me that he was proud of me. I felt 10 feet tall. Gideon 
didn't feel 10 feet tall. Gideon was shy. Gideon was timid. But God showed confidence in him. When my father told me he was proud of me, he showed confidence in me. And it made me feel good. But God is proud of you. God is proud of each and every one of us. And God's not going to make any of us wait 55 years to hear that. God is proud of us. And God calls us all mighty men and women of valour. No matter how you see yourself, God sees you as a mighty man or woman of valour. And that matters a lot more than how we see ourselves. He is proud of you and he wants you to do lots of stuff for him. He's got jobs for us to do. But we need to have the faith that he's going to make the way, just like he did for Gideon. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us Gideon. You've given us an example to follow in Gideon. And Lord, we just pray that our faith might be as strong as his, so that when you ask us to do things, Lord, we're able to do them in the confidence of knowing that you've gone on beforehand and you've set the path. If there's anybody here this afternoon, this evening, who's maybe struggling with that, if anybody would like to be able to have that kind of faith, if anybody sees themselves as something less than a mighty man or woman of valour, God wants to do business with you. God wants you to reach out to him. God wants you to know that he sees you as something special that he loves you he's proud of you and he thinks a lot more of you than you possibly do of yourself